Hello, I'm Elena DelVal, and this is the HispanicNPR.com podcast. My guest today is Stanley Wong, who is co-founder of DistroScale. We will discuss streaming services targeting Hispanics. Stanley is also vice president of marketing at DistroScale, a media technology company and the parent company to DistroTV, an independent network home to 150 live streaming channels. Prior to his role at DistroScale, Stanley was an early Yahoo employee, 41st. Since Yahoo, Stanley contributed to Search Physics, now known as Medavana. He also served as the vice president of ad products at Glam Media and co-founded Permuto, acquired by AOL and renamed BySight. Stanley, welcome. Hey, hello. How are you? How do we define streaming services? I, I think we kind of all imagine that we know what it is, things like Amazon and Netflix and a whole slew of other players. But what is the actual de- definition of streaming services? What do we refer to when we say that? Yeah, in terms of uh, streaming services, it means uh, services that are delivered over the internet. Um, and uh, there's effectively the content itself comes from our servers on the internet in the cloud uh, and is delivered directly to your TV screen or your uh, device, mobile device, uh, desktop computer, or like a Roku device or a Fire TV device. Um, So instead of, you know, uh, compare that to what was before, either through a cable, like a cable TV or over the air, this is delivered com- entirely over the web. Where, if at all, does cellular technology come in? In other words, for example, there's a lot of talk about 5G coming into its own, in certainly in the United States, and yet not a lot of coverage yet, as far as I know. Is there a relationship? Does it matter? Uh, it actually uh, doesn't matter as much. Um, so, so when we're talking about 5G uh, or uh, internet over either through fiber, uh, through the home, or uh, through things like WiMAX or Wi-Fi or other protocols, those are the underlying layer for which it, it, uh, a flow of data from the internet uh, flows uh, to either the home, to the device, through a mobile device, uh, a laptop, or a desktop computer. So internet is an infrastructure that's available through multiple modes or multiple ways of being delivered to the device itself. So what we're talking about uh, from a video streaming standpoint is the video streaming service sits on top of that, right? So of course, having higher and higher bandwidth or higher throughput uh, for which the data goes through, uh, improves the performance or improves the quality of the video that comes across uh, from you know the the our servers to the actual uh, through the TV, for example. And what would you say is the percentage of the market that is currently the streaming services market in the United States? I, I actually think the uh, streaming services in the United States is a relatively smaller thing right now today, but it's growing very, very, very quickly. Um, 
people use, uh, I think people are most uh, familiar with uh, services such as like Netflix, uh, you know, Disney Plus and others. But there's a whole plethora of different uh, services that are really growing uh, in front of our eyes uh, today, uh, such as like DistroTV. Um, uh, so to, to take a step back um, for streaming services, there's, uh, I, I bucket it into two, two types. One are what's called uh, uh, SVOD or subscription video on demand. Basically, uh, uh, video services that you pay a subscription to view the content. So Netflix and uh, Disney Plus and uh, Hulu and like a few others are examples of that. There's another type called AVOD, which are advertising video on demand services, and another acronym that they use uh, commonly within the uh, within the industry is called FAST, uh, free advertising supported television, right? So these are free free services where consumers typically you know, do not have to utilize a credit card or any payment mechanism to pay for the video. And uh, they just log on to either download an app or, uh, you know, turn it on to their TV or uh, go to a website and view the content uh, that that's streaming on the site itself uh, there. And uh, so, of course, you know, AVOD means advertising. So as a result of that, the um, the advertising is delivered uh, to pay for the uh, delivery of that service or the video service there. And of course, the programming differs between the SVOD and the AVOD, right? Would you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, actually, the the thing is, in in my viewpoint. Uh, Consumer, you know, just like just like people have uh, migrated, or you know, a majority, a lot of people utilize uh, cable packages uh, in the past. People are starting to pick and choose the different services that they like to use uh, there. So one can imagine, you know, every, <laughs> in a world where you have everyone has limited budgets, um, most people can only afford to uh, subscribe to a small handful of uh, subscription video on demand services or, or subscription services uh, there. So maybe I'll subscribe to my Netflix or I subscribe to uh, Disney Plus for my kids. And then, you know, after two or maybe three of those, I, I it, it starts to get pretty expensive. And, um, and that's why I feel that there is a huge opportunity for these advertising-supported uh, video services that lowers the barrier for all consumers to view the content, but is subsidized and monetized by advertising uh, there. And uh, it's in this area that we're starting to see a huge diversity of different types of content. Uh, that is uh, increasingly becoming available uh, there. So on, on the SVOD side, you have, you know, typically uh, services that have Star Wars <laughs> or Marvel, Marvel uh, things. And, you know, on Netflix, they might have Stranger Things or Squid Game or, you know, these high production 
uh, types of, of uh, content uh, there. Whereas on uh, AVOD, you're starting to see a diversity of content, uh, niche content. Uh, so for example, on our service, we have uh, ACL cornhole as a channel. Uh, cornhole is a sport where you're throwing beanbags uh, into a hole onto the other side, and there's a competition that goes back and forth uh, between that. You have uh, other services such as like the Naturescape or music services that are very niche uh, there uh, around particular uh, ethnicities or multicultural uh, or other types of things like that. Um, so just a case in point, on DistroTV, uh, we recently uh, have been embarking on uh, a, a path to launch uh, uh, bundles that are specific to uh, uh, different ethnicities or multicultural opportunities around that. So as an example, of, uh, at the beginning of, of uh, last year or middle of last year, we launched uh, DistroTV Desi. Uh, Des, uh, Distro TV Desi is a South Asian, or uh, which comprises of uh, Indian, Pakistani, Bangladeshi uh, audiences uh, who are available, who are in the U.S., uh, in the U.K., and other regions across the globe outside of their home countries. And as a result of that, uh, uh, so. They're outside of their home countries uh, there, okay? Um, and many, many times, these people are, you know, desperately seeking quality content from their home countries uh, there. And uh, so, and in order to get that content, what we have seen is uh, people have been going around uh, on the web uh, you know, finding, you know, sources to get that content often pirated, uh, where the content is, you know, shared through forums or, you know, peer-to-peer uh, -peer, uh, sharing networks or other types of things on the web. And the, the owner of that media typically doesn't uh, get any monetization from that uh, there. And that is a big problem for media companies uh, to see their content uh, being shared outside of their home countries and, uh, and consumed. So it tells me a couple of things. One is the consumers are rapidly wanting to consume that content, um, but have no real means of getting at that content. And uh, they just want a, a, an easy, quick way an easy and convenient way for them to access that content and view the content that they want, all the way from news to uh, movies to dramas to entertainment shows and music as well, too, sports as well. And so to me, it, this really brings a huge opportunity for, uh, for, for media companies, either in, in different countries, to be able to effectively not only reach their consumers through a streaming vehicle in their home country, but also address and reach those uh, consumers in other countries uh, there. Uh, back in January of this year, 
we uh, actually launched uh, Distro TV Espanol as well, too. This is another country that, uh, or ethnicity uh, that uh, we're focused on to be able to uh, connect with consumers who speak Spanish, uh, are here in the United States, as well as, you know, in other regions like uh, Canada and, and uh, other places, uh, and where we can uh, connect and work with media companies in Latin America and have, uh, you know, the, that content available, you know, Colombia content that can be made available to Mexican audiences, for example, and uh, make that co uh, content available to all in a very easy, no, no friction, no to low friction way uh, that they can access that content. Um, that content itself is available through a wide variety of different platforms to make it super easy for people to, uh, to watch that content. Uh, uh, it's available on the web by going to distro.tv uh, on your desktop or mobile device. Uh, you can also download it as an app on your uh, iOS or Android device, uh, just like any other app that you would download off of your app store. You can download Distro TV on there, or you can watch it on your large screen devices, such as like a Samsung TV, an LG TV, uh, Android TV or Google TV, uh, Apple TV as well. Uh, by downloading uh, the app on those devices and uh, clicking on that app to watch it on Distro TV. The same can be said that you can also install a channel on Roku, uh, and that's available there as well too, as well as lastly, uh, Amazon Fire TV, where it's, it's also available as an app uh, that's available on Amazon Fire TV, uh, you know, their tablets, and as well as the dongle that, that fits onto your uh, television screen. Did you say okay. the website address was distrotv.com? Uh, no, it's actually distro.tv. HTTP uh, uh, S colon slash slash uh, www.distro D-I-S-T-R-O dot TV. Let's go back a little bit to look at the big picture a little bit uh, at a more granular level, if you will. Sure. So if we're looking at the streaming services you've already shared with us that it's mainly divided between the two categories SVOD and EVOD or FAST. What does each of those represent in terms of market share if if the streaming services overall are 100 percent is SVOD 80 percent and AVOD 20 percent uh, help us understand that a little bit better. Uh, that's a good question. Um, if I would, ha uh, I don't know the exact answer to that, but if I had to guess, um, that currently today, um, the, uh, SVOD, uh, market is probably, uh, over 50, over 50%, uh, there today because of services like Netflix and, and Disney plus and Hulu and, and Peacock and so forth and so on. Uh, there's a lot of advertising dollars that are going behind it to promote the subscription and uh, the growth of those uh, particular services, as well as the 
you know, the billions of dollars that they, people have been paying for content to be produced uh, in order to draw users into those particular services there. Okay. That's without, you know, that the SVOD aside to me is fast growing. Uh, it's a fast growing uh, service, uh, services that are available where different brands or uh, companies or media companies are starting to really kind of look at uh, the, the content that they have within their uh, libraries and really starting to uh, discover the opportunity to be able to distribute that content, uh, not on a subscription basis, but on a uh, advertising supported basis. So uh, we're starting to see, for example, uh, uh, media companies look into their libraries and create content um, and, and put together content and put together channels that are specific to for specific shows, for example. And, and what I mean by that is so a, a particular uh, TV show can be turned into uh, a uh, uh, an AVOD uh, channel or a fast channel there. Uh, or it could be uh, based around a particular uh, topic, uh, like a cooking, for example, or travel, or, um, or cars, uh, whatever the things that, that uh, people are looking for. So, for example, on Distro TV, you, we have a skiing channel. We have a boat show, uh, which is about you know, luxury boats. Uh, that people can 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 uh, watch. Uh, that's also with uh, other you know high quality channels such as like uh, 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 Bloomberg Television and uh, Bloomberg Quick Take, uh, movies channels such as uh, CineLife. Uh, there's many many different types of genres and different uh, types of channels that are available that uh, can be made available uh, via the uh, advertising supported uh, uh, versions of that. And so Distro TV, which we were talking about a minute ago, is that AVOD or SVOD? Distro TV is entirely uh, AVOD, all advertising supported, free for consumers to access. I notice that you have the option of live or on demand. What percentage of the content, for example, on this particular website is each? Uh, currently today, a majority of our content, uh, we, we are over, we, we, you know, just looking at our numbers, we, we just launched over 200 uh, channels that are available through our live uh, streaming channels. And what, uh, let me take a step back and, and just talk about the difference between uh, the two. Um, so within Distro TV, we have two types of content. We have live streaming channels, which are uh, channels similar to uh, when you go onto your cable TV device or, or over the air. And these are, are channels that are running constantly, 24-7, with content uh, specific to that particular channel. So it could be Fuse TV for music. It could be, um, you know, uh, uh, Bloomberg for, for business news to uh, uh, 
you know, a why on for, uh, for, uh, South Asian, uh, news, uh, for example. Uh, so, so those are live streaming channels that are running 24 seven with programming, uh, on there. Okay. And, uh, they have programs specific to their channel and are streaming, uh, on a live basis. Okay. So the, we, we also have a VOD content, which is called video on demand, which is, uh, I can watch it asynchronously, meaning I can click on the icon or click on a movie or click on the program that I want to watch. And it will start from the beginning of that program. Whereas on the live, I, when I tune into a live channel, I will go into that particular program, it, you know, as it's, as it's going, uh, or as it's uh, going live in that program at that time. And you said there's 200 of the live channels and how many of the on-demand channels? Oh, we have, uh, you know, it's, it, we have content that's uh, constantly being refreshed in and out of the VOD uh, content. Um, so there is thousands and hours of uh, uh, video on-demand content that we have of, uh, in uh, District TV. Uh, they range all the way from movies to documentary programs to uh, music programs to technology, other types of, uh, topics as well, too. Uh, I wanted to highlight one thing that we recently launched, um, yeah, that's a video, video on demand, uh, is, uh, a, a premiere movie, uh, that is a Spanish language movie called Escandalos Secreto. Uh, it's a co comic, com comedic comedy movie with a cast of, 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 uh, uh, over 30 uh, well-known Latin American celebrities uh, across the way, from uh, Danny Trejo to Esther Anaya, who actually shot a music video for the movie, and uh, and uh, uh, Planito is another one, the uh, uh, comedy uh, uh, actor. And so there's a huge uh, host of uh, different uh, actors and actresses that are on that uh, particular movie, uh, celebrities that are, that is. What is the primary target audience for this streaming that we're talking about? Uh, the primary audience for uh, Distro TV is, uh, it, it's certainly open for all consumers. Uh, our objective is to make uh, content available for free uh, in a free to stream manner. Uh, we want the content to be uh, highly accessible to as many consumers as possible. And again, we feel that that content, uh, making it available to as many consumers uh, in different niches or different uh, uh, communities as possible, is very, very important. Um, we established ourselves when we launched uh, Distro TV back in 2019. Our objective was to launch the largest independent free ad-supported streaming television service in the market. Um, and to do so, we really wanted to cater our platform to a multicultural and rapidly growing uh, global audience uh, there. 
who is really, you know, looking to consume content from, you know, uh, that is different than the mainstream content that is outside of, you know, like Disney content, uh, there. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're really happy that to been able to really expand uh, our audiences. So today on district TV, we have audiences coming in from all the way from the U S to Canada, United Kingdom, uh, across Europe, uh, LATAM has been growing very quickly for us, uh, as well as in, in Southeast Asia, we have users coming in from all over the globe, uh, there. Well, that brings me to the next question that I was pondering, which is exactly that. Is the website open outside the United States? And so it sounds like anybody from any IP address can access DistroTV? Yeah. So, so the, the broad answer to that is yes. Uh, any person can come in to DistroTV uh, uh, anywhere from across the globe to watch the content uh, uh, there. Okay. So that's one. Uh, the apps themselves, uh, like all the way from uh, accessing the content on Roku to Fire TV, uh, Apple TV, etc., uh, those are available only in places uh, like Samsung TV and others. Those are only available to, on places where the markets for which those TV services are available at. So, for example, if you know Amazon Fire TV is not available in you know, uh, Chile, then, then I'm not going to be able to make that available there, but, uh, it's where available uh, for those devices. And the content itself, is it 99% English language content? Does the content that's in foreign languages have subtitles? Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, that, okay. So, so, uh, I'm currently today, a majority of the content that we have uh, on DistroTV is in English. Uh, however, we have a growing portion of our content that is uh, is uh, growing uh, for Spanish language. So, for example, when we launched uh, DistroTV in Espanol, we launched 20-plus channels uh, that are Spanish-speaking, uh, that are available to Spanish speakers in the U.S. as well as Spanish speakers in Latin America and, and the world. Um, and, uh, you know, we expect to launch more and more of these channels, uh, especially for the Spanish-speaking uh, audiences and uh, working with different companies and other types of things uh, in, as we move forward in this uh, calendar year and beyond. Uh, there. So within the United States, the majority of the millions of Hispanics are either English dominant or bilingual, and their consumption of media varies depending on their tastes and their comfort level. But we're mostly talking about either English dominant or bilingual for this programming that you're describing to us, do you have subtitles in English for those people whose language preference or knowledge is not good in Spanish? Um, where available, uh, we do. Uh, uh, I want to say that we do have the, uh, the uh, closed captioning capability or, or subtitle capability 
So for it, it, as an example for uh, uh, for our feature movie Escándalo Escándalo um, that movie, for example, has subtitles in English as well. The movie itself is in Spanish, or or you know the 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 audio is in Spanish. But we also have uh, closed captioning in English that made available for that particular movie. So other channels have uh, uh, English available uh, where available. And how how do you acquire the content? How are the makers of this content being compensated, if at all? How do the advertisers? come into the formula. Tell us a little bit more about that. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, happy to talk about the advertising, um, how, how advertising works in this, uh, this framework here. Um, so because of, uh, you know, the service itself is advertising supported, of course, um, we need to uh, insert ads uh, through the course of the content itself. And so how that works is um, we uh, have, you know, to back up, uh, DistroScale Distro uh, as a company, we are uh, at our heart. Uh, we're a technology company. Uh, myself, I've worked for many years in the online advertising space. I uh, worked for companies like Yahoo and other companies. My uh, other co-founder and CEO, uh, Navdeep Saini, uh, he worked, he was the original, uh, vice president of engineering at DoubleClick, which was acquired by, uh, Google, uh, and, uh, which powers a lot of the advertising for Google today, uh, uh, there. And so we have a huge, deep, uh, expertise in, uh, building infrastructures or building platforms for delivering, uh, digital or online advertising, um, so leveraging our, our experience and our, our, um, our capabilities, we've built platforms specifically for streaming and uh, VOD for uh, connected television, as they say, to deliver advertising into those uh, spots. Just like, a, just like in terrestrial TV, there's, there's uh, advertising that is delivered during commercial breaks. This similar type of technology has been built and is functioning today for us to deliver that, that, uh, those types of uh, advertising into, um, on, for streaming devices and streaming services as well, too. Okay, So that's one. Um, and with that infrastructure, we then uh, connect to different uh, ad, uh, ad demand um, platforms. Uh, so, so the, the advertising itself comes in, in various forms. So one is it, uh, that advertising comes, uh, via, uh, what's called in the industry, a programmatic, uh, uh, channel where we work with demand partners, such as like Google to, uh, Magnite to, uh, others, uh, OpenX, uh, Xander and others to provide uh, programmatic advertising into uh, the service itself, okay, and insert ads as appropriate uh, within there. Um, 
Coupled that, we also have a direct uh, team that work with direct advertisers. And what I mean by that, work with advertising agencies, uh, different brands, uh, different uh, partners, to also to provide uh, advertising and other types of things that are also inserted in there. And so our technology that we've built allows us to be able to mediate and curate and deliver, as well as target, that uh, content um, to the consumer um, based around you know, the rules and the technology platform that has been set aside uh, to do so uh, there. Okay. Um, and some of these rules may be like, okay, uh, some advertising may be more appropriate or targeted for U.S. audiences and other uh, advertising is appropriate or targeted for uh, uh, Mexican audiences, uh, and which is different than uh, Colombian audiences, for example. Walk us through the advertising possibilities. So for our listeners who are representing clients who might want to take advantage of this exposure opportunity or opportunities through your channels, say that they wanted to place a promotion, an ad campaign, even uh, PSAs. We can talk about the PSAs separately. What would that process be like? You said that it is possible for them to do that directly without having to go through third parties like Google, et cetera. How would that process uh, work out? Yeah, so uh, uh, how the process would work out is uh, 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 advertising clients uh, can work with one of our salespeople or business development people uh, to uh kind of based upon what their objectives are to create a program that uh, they can they can target uh, specific consumers. Uh, so typically for uh, advertising clients, I've, I've dealt with many advertising clients throughout my career, they typically have uh, certain objectives that they want to reach and certain audiences that they're trying to target. Uh, with such a, a diverse um a service such as uh, DistroTV, which is available across multiple audiences, uh, multiple geographies, and other things, we we bring with it an opportunity to be able to reach audiences uh, in in different uh, regions, different targets, uh, with you know different languages, and so forth and so on. And so, typically, what would happen is our salespeople would work with uh, a, the, the advertising partner, either an agency or a brand, to be able to kind of map their goals and be able to reach uh, those consumers in those audiences on DistroTV uh, there. Uh, and, and typically it's based around a particular, their, their campaign objectives. And along with that, we have reporting and targeting capabilities and other types of things to be able to optimize uh, the performance of their campaign for that objective there. Let's do maybe a, a theoretical example. If somebody wanted to reach a consumer group, a particular market segment within the U.S., 
English dominant or Spanish dominant or bilingual in a particular DMA or state, zip code, etc. How specific can you be? How much? How much narrowing can you offer? Well, all of that is is available as a uh, as um, an ability to do. Um, you, we are all have the capability to be able to narrow down and deliver content, meaning deliver advertising all the way down to like a zip code level. We can target by audience profiles. We can target uh, by geography. We can target uh, by device. Uh, so, for example, on a large screen dev- device versus like a, a mobile device, we have all of those capabilities. But there, there are, uh, and as well as uh, down to a specific channel as well too. So, for example, if they want to reach, you know, people on a business channel versus a Spanish language channel, entertainment channel, um, uh, there. However, there are practical, uh, you know, limits if you get, you know too granular it's it becomes very difficult to be able to find enough of an audience uh to be able to uh reach uh the your target and enough of an audience to do so uh so so there's always a balance uh when it comes to that uh figuring out uh and and typically you know our our salespeople are very good at working with uh advertising partners to figure out what is that healthy balance to achieve and and get reach for the advertisers to reach their audiences while create while making sure that the uh, targeting is targeted to the right audiences as well as uh, getting a, a large uh, group of audiences that they can uh, that they can connect with as well too so it's always a balancing act between those two uh, two or three things there in what ways exactly is the definition different when your streaming services are for the mainstream market or for different market segments from other ethnic groups versus Hispanics? In what way are different? Are they different? Um, can you re-ask that question? I'm just trying to understand that that question. When we talk about the United States market for streaming services purposes, we're talking about a very large market, which is mainly dominated by a few players, if I've understood correctly, from the SVOD subscription services side and uh, the incoming, up-and-coming advertising-supported video-on-demand side. We're still talking about a very large market. So how is targeting market segments different within that? Is it the content? Is it the device? Is it live versus on demand? In what ways are the different market segments which you are targeting and within that Hispanics different from the mainstream when you're targeting them with streaming services? Yeah, I think um, in answer to your question uh, there, the 
targeting uh, consumers that who are Hispanic audiences versus mainstream audiences, the it's largely the same. Um, I think the only difference is uh, the in targeting Hispanic audiences, you would want to be able to either understand the audience that is coming over is is a number one an audience profile which is Hispanic, or that that person that is consuming in uh, context, which is I am uh, targeting uh, content that is uh, Spanish-based uh, content. So to me, I think one, one of the things that, for example, in working uh, with our demand partners, one of the one of the aspects or, or kind of identifiers that are, are passed over to demand, meaning like to brands and other types of things, is the fact that uh, is this channel or this piece of content, is that uh, piece of content in Spanish? So that is um, something that is a unique identifier that is passed over from an advertising standpoint. And based upon that information, uh, brands who are looking to reach consumers who are Hispanic or who are uh, have an affinity towards Spanish content uh, can bid on that or can uh, uh, choose to place advertising on that uh, impression there. Does that make it clear? I think if I understood correctly, you are mostly seeking out consumers that are Spanish dominant or want to consume streaming content in Spanish. Is, did I understand correctly? Yeah. So in a sense, yes, uh, because of the fact that these are, uh, these are attributes that can be readily identified, can identify that user as, um, to, to, uh, you know, to want to consume that type of content, right? Spanish speakers, uh, because of the, the context of which they are, uh, consuming, uh, that content on. It's just like, as an example, it, it, the, the same lens can be as an analogy. Uh, I can have a, 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 uh, a newspaper, I can place advertising on a newspaper uh, in mainstream, like the New York Times or you know Washington Post, et cetera, or uh, USA Today, or I can place advertising on the Miami Herald, which is uh, which is uh, Miami is you know uh, uh, has a lot of uh, Spanish speakers in that uh, region, or I can. Um, or I can place advertising in a publication like uh, El Universal, uh, which is uh, a Spanish uh, newspaper, Spanish uh, language newspaper. So it's the, the same mental model or the same model actually uh, applies towards digital as well, too. Right. So you can place that uh, advertising uh, based around that context. Uh, for which the uh, consumers are consuming that content, either in Spanish language content, either you know some information about that consumer itself, like I uh, that user has a user profile that is uh, declared as uh, I am a Spanish speaker, um, or 
uh, or uh, you can target uh, as from a geography standpoint, say, hey, I want to target people only in Florida uh, or only in Mexico uh, there. And therefore, you can infer those audiences uh, based around uh, those attributes that are there. For example, if I wanted to target Spanish-dominant retirees in the Orlando area, is, it, is there a way to narrow the reach specifically to that market segment? I think that becomes a little bit too granular. If you're going down to uh, Spanish retirees uh, who are in Orlando, um, yes, you can target based around you know, the geo Orlando, uh, geography Orlando. Um, and if available, you know, there, there's any audience targets, uh, for Spanish speakers, but then when you start layering in retirees, or maybe I guess you can, you can layer in an age range, but then I think you start to get, um, really, really granular and, uh, the audience, as the more granular you go, the, the audience itself starts to get smaller and smaller. Right. So then you don't get the efficiencies on there as much. What kind of content do you require and what is the budget range for our listeners who might be interested in this outreach that we're discussing? Uh, typically, advertising campaigns um, on our service, uh, we take uh, creatives that are typically like a, a 15 or 30 second um, uh, uh, advertising video, advertising spots. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it's it, they're typically in an MP4 video file uh, with a click through URL or some sort of URL uh, associated with it. Um, and we can schedule that there into our service and be able to deliver that, uh, that advertising to, uh, the consumer, uh, through that. Um, so, so typically it, it's basically an, an, a video advertising, uh, there, an advertisement, uh, that, that you're providing to us. Um, so in terms of the pricing, associated with it. Uh, the pricing is itself is, uh, done on a CPM basis, which is a cost per thousand impressions. So there's a certain rate that is set on a cost per thousand basis. And that's, and the, 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 the range in CPMs for that, uh, is really based around the amount of targeting that is placed on the uh the campaign itself so the more targeting that is generally placed on the uh campaign the more expensive it, it will be so if you're putting in you know targets like geo targets and other things if uh, and audience targets uh and other things it can become more expensive uh there um yes so what is the starting point what is the most affordable campaign that you can offer someone who wants to test the waters and see how it goes or someone who is on a shoestring budget what is the initial yeah, for direct, expense 
Uh, yeah, good question. For, for direct campaigns, uh, typically uh, for direct campaigns, uh, our minimum spend uh, for that is $25,000 for a direct campaign. And um, so we work with uh, brands, different brands and other, other things to be able to target uh, those particular audiences. And those, um, those campaigns can run uh, you know, as short as one week to, you know, uh, several months as well, too. What kind of measurement, if any, do you offer in conjunction with the campaigns? Yeah, we typically would, would uh, provide a report uh, during the campaign. There's uh, uh, with uh, the number of impressions that were shown, uh, the uh, across which device, the geography, uh, and uh, other attributes that are available there. Um, in our other part of our business, uh, we also, uh, DistroScale as a, as a company, we also have the ability to target uh, advertising beyond uh, uh, DistroTV to across thousands of websites as well too, and uh, also be able to help those advertising clients reach their, their target via different website placements because we we are, are as a company power video across many uh, uh you know thousands of websites across uh across the web as well too uh there do you offer you had said that it was possible to narrow the reach by geographic area do you have insights on your reach Within the United States, for example, the areas where you have the largest audience segments, so say California or Texas or I don't know Illinois, New York. Yeah, we have um, we have the ability to uh, look at our inventory and break down those inventory and provide uh, some sort of projections uh, based around that inventory. Uh, so the answer is yes. Um, so, but it really boils down to the criteria that the uh, the brand or the advertiser is looking forward to targeting against. Um, so uh, it's it's customized for each, you know, typically when, uh, when a salesperson is working with uh, a brand or advertiser, the quote that comes back or the projection, uh, the inventory projection that comes back along with the quote uh, is customized for the proposal based around the proposal that is put together there. Right. So taking a step back, I'm saying when you look at your reach, which are the states, the DMAs, however you want to position it, that where you have the strongest reach at the moment in the United States in English or Spanish? Oh, um, uh, it, it, it's really broken down by the, the population. Um, so we see, uh, it, it, you know, definitely mirrors the population of the United States. So, you know, population centers in California, we definitely see a huge amount of traffic that kind of aligns with uh, how the population is spread out across the United States. So the so, largest streaming services consumers in your distro scale and distro TV and Distro Spanish TV are in California? Yes. So California, population centers, for example, in California, New York, uh, Texas, etc., 
Um, so again, it, it just kind of mirrors the, the census or the mirrors the where the population centers across the United States are. Because again, we have a huge diversity of content, um, you know, all the way from, you know, news channels, sports channels, uh, country music channels, even for circle, uh, all access, uh, movie channels as well, too. And so there's a lot of different uh, 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 content that draws from different consumers across the United States, Canada, uh, you know, Latin America, and, and, and more. How many ads are viewers exposed to say that they're watching a full-length program? Yeah, so, so good question. Um, so, so we uh, typically... Uh, try to keep the advertising in a very uh, 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 acceptable way. We're not trying to overwhelm the consumer with uh, so much so much advertising throughout uh, the thing. There, um, so typically on on a given hour, we try to limit the advertising to somewhere between uh, ten to fifteen minutes uh, per hour of content is kind of like a rule of thumb. Is it similar to say what you have on YouTube where you can click to skip the ad at some point? Uh, there is uh, the ability to skip the ad in on uh, certain platforms that allow it to do so. Like for, for example, on a mobile device or, or others, uh, typically on a TV, uh, you, uh, you know, it's, it's much the advertising that comes across I typically do not have the ability to skip on there. Uh, I might want to point out that, um, you know, I, I actually find that on uh, watching content on YouTube, for example, um, I've actually seen uh, a huge amount of advertising that is on the YouTube device uh, there because a lot of the content there on YouTube or, uh, you know, social uh, video content uh, is short form content. And so you see actually a lot more advertising on those uh, types through those uh, channels as well, too. I wonder what percentage of the viewers exit when that happens. So I've seen a number of, for example, in YouTube, a number of the programs will have an ad at the beginning and people are willing to We'll go through that one, two, three ads. But when if they're watching whatever the program is and they encounter more ads, I've seen that a lot of people will just exit because they get annoyed. Uh, do you have any insights on that? Um, I think uh, many consumers are actually used to, you know, with live streaming content, uh, consumers are actually used to seeing uh, regular ad breaks in their content. So, for example, if I'm watching ESPN or I'm watching sports or I'm watching, you know, uh, a, a news channel like a, a CNN or Fox News, there are regular breaks in the content. And people are people are used to seeing that. And it's the same thing that happens uh, via the streaming services as well. Is there a difference in that regard between live and on-demand? Uh, live and on-demand, again, uh, uh, is different in the fact that streaming, uh, live services are constantly streaming 24-7 uh, there. So there's content that is constantly on. 
and available, uh, you know, you know, and, and, you know, we have many news channels, for example, on distro TV, um, you know, Euro news, uh, is a good example. Euro news in Espanol is a good example. Uh, it's very much like, uh, CNN or Fox news where you would have, uh, you know, uh, live streaming content or live updates, uh, uh, happening all throughout the day. And, uh, there are regular, um, advertising breaks, uh, through that content, uh, that are, you know, for example, placed at the beginning of the hour in the middle of different, pro, uh, parts of the programming and so forth. Whereas on VOD content, you're, you're, you're talking about a movie or a documentary, typically, um, you know, like a longer form content where, uh, you have regular breaks that we, uh, we, we put into the content itself. Uh, so for example, for the movie, Escandolo uh, Secreto, we actually, uh, worked with the director to, um, uh, program in or put logical placements or breaks into, uh, for which to place the advertising, uh, into the program itself. Is the length and the number of ads the same in live and on demand? In general, as a rule of thumb, yes. Uh, the length and the uh, the quantity of ads per hour is roughly the, roughly the same. It's a it's a rule of thumb. We can, we can, we actually control it uh, on our platform on how many ads and how often and and the length of the ad breaks and so forth. And, uh, and that is a configurable thing through our platform and, uh, we, we program it or, uh, configure it, uh, to be between, uh, 10 to 15 minutes for every hour of content, uh, there. Do you solicit or accept public service announcements as well? Uh, we have in the past, um, uh, we've done, uh, things for, uh, uh, public service, uh, uh, types of, uh, things as well. And we've done it on, on the past of some advertising agencies that we've worked with in the past as well, too. Um, I can think of one, uh, recent one for the Salvation Army that we've done in the past. So yes, the answer is yes for that. What do you think when you look at your crystal ball, you wake up in the morning and you say, what are the innovations? What are the changes, the growth in this very volatile time period that we're going through? What do you see in the future? Uh, what I see in the future is actually, um, you know, I, I actually see, look at the media space as um, there is the mainstream media and there is... Um, what I call uh, kind of longer form uh, uh, niche or multicultural media. Like, I, I part, part, uh, part of me thinks that uh, a better term for that might be to use the term uh, uh, media that is for a specific community, right? So mainstream media is like we're, we're like a CNN or uh, like a Fox news where, where there's, you know, mass content 
Um, that model itself, there's a place in the media sphere, media ecosystem for that. But there's a huge opportunity for community or, or multicultural uh, affinity-based uh, content uh, that is there um, to reach and to fulfill uh, the needs of specific audiences uh, there. Uh, so, so to me, I think looking at my crystal ball, I think I see a huge growth in uh, specific niche media that really connects and uh, connects with specific communities uh, growing uh, there. So these diverse voices, I think, are very, very important in uh, in in uh, connecting with those consumers reaching those consumers and they're demanding it as well too. Uh, that's what I see as uh, going forward. I see more an explosion of that, uh, that type of content out there. Stanley, thank you for joining us from Palo Alto, California. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And to our audience, you have been listening to Stanley Wong, who is co-founder of DistroScale, who discussed streaming services targeting Hispanics. To propose a guest for the show, you can email me directly at editor at hispanicmpr.com. That's editor at hispanicmpr.com.